Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. And today is one of our bonus episodes. We're talking about creative engagements for mission, community, and discipleship. This conversation actually kind of came out of an idea, out of a conversation that Shu and I had months ago in regards to creative ways in which discipleship and community can happen. And we talked about the idea of how it can look like within the context of board games and video games. We thought, hey, who better to talk about this than one of our good friends, Elvin Wong. Yes, Elvin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, John. Thank you for having me. Um, you're very kind. Yeah, I'm you, excited to be here. You are the master. You, When it comes to board games and video games, you are not only someone who loves them, but you have invited so many people and introduced so many games to people that, you know, that, that's just been part of who you are. That's been amazing. Yeah, I do love to game a lot. I think one thing that may be more how I appreciate games is I actually, I enjoy running games as much as I do playing. Sure. So if, if like I have a new game, I'd, like I'd be, I'm super excited to teach, teach it to people. And if the player count doesn't work out, I'm happy to just sit out and kind of just watch and coach and yeah, like that that's equally as exciting to me. Yes. Games master. Games master. Yes. Master of games. Yes. As you just heard, Shu is here too. Yeah. I love games too. <laughs> we are all lovers of games. And we are sitting here at Elvin's home and we are having sushi. So you might hear some of us chew and digest some of our food, which is fine. Because this is totally organic. This is the Canadian Asian. This is the Canadian yeah. Asian way. That's true. Traditional podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's Asian food from a Canadian place. Very nice. <laughs> there you go. Was it made? Was it made by Japanese people or Chinese people? <laughs> we don't. We're not going to get into that. that that's a, that's a whole other episode happening right there. So you know, before we kind of jump into that conversation, yeah, Elvin, how would you introduce yourself? Well, my name's Elvin. I'm a longtime attendee at Richmond Hill Christian Community Church. I grew up there, I really developed my faith there, and I guess in the past five, ten years or so, I've been kind of serving and give, kind of giving back and how to contribute and how to help lead and run the church. Currently, I am a deacon, and that's primarily my main role, I'm sitting in various committees and overseeing the Sunday worships and special events and services like that. Very nice. And did you grow up in Toronto? Uh, I was born in Hong Kong. I came when I was six years old. And what was that experience like for you growing up, six and onwards, in Canada? It's interesting. Sometimes, uh, and we talk about movies or whatever, some of these like cultural touch points that Canadians have, the biggest one that comes to mind is Transformers, right? Everyone's watched Transformers, and that's such a big deal for everyone. Or the animation. Yeah, the animation. Generation yes. one. Yes, yes. Generation. But I, I feel that I'm a bit separated from that. I think because I was, that was kind of right when I was, Transitioning from Hong Kong to Canada, like the cultures were kind of mixed. I remember watching Transformers in Chinese. I remember watching Dragon Ball in Chinese and then some in English. And it was just kind of really mixed up. But in terms of like really formative cultural years for me, like, uh, you know, uh, when we talk more about like pop culture stuff, I was just talking to someone about this. Like my touchstones are like the Batman animated series, oh, Spider-Man yes. cartoon, X-Men cartoon. Those were like kind of the early 90s stuff for me. The original was- Spider-Man? No, 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 not the 60s one, not the 60s one. The animated no. one? Wow. But they still show that once in a while here and there. It's so good. It's so good. It's pretty good. It, it, that that uh, cemented my love for, for Spider-Man. And if you'll see, I mean, around my house, I have various Spider-Men hanging on lamps and around oh, very stuff. very nice. Protecting the house. But I mean, in church, it was, it was a very different 
church than it is today. It was a much smaller church, and everyone growing up knew kind of everyone else. And it was, you know, I have I have friendships developed there that I, I still have today. So I just want to also ask a follow-up question to that. You know, having grown up here and having been, you know, been influenced by two different cultures, Chinese culture, Canadian culture, how would you describe what does it mean to be a Canadian Asian or even Canadian Chinese? I feel like the Asian culture, you know, I, I, by its nature, isn't very, like, overtly dominant. You know, it's not very, like, I have to stake out my claim and hold my culture, that type of thing. I feel it's kind of more, like, for me anyway, it's just in the background, it's who I am, that kind of thing. Uh, but I do consider myself probably more Canadian okay. um, than Asian. Uh, and, like, even with, like, Chinese holidays or whatever, like, I know that, you know, in 20 years' time, you know, when parents pass or whatever, like, I, I'm not going to know really when they are or what they mean. And so by the time it gets to my kids, it'll totally be gone. Yes, yes. Like, we tried speaking, like, when uh, when my, my daughter was first born, me and my wife tried to say, okay, we're going to try to speak only in Chinese. Okay. In Cantonese, and because she's going to learn English, and we're going to do it. And we really tried to commit. And then basically for like a week, the house was really quiet. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> just because like, <laughs> there were so many things that we'd, we'd like, but then it was like, oh, I don't know really how to What's say that. It would take longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then so again, we realized we're just, we're like, we think in English. Like it just, it takes that extra step to try to translate. And it's, it, there are vocabulary words that we don't know. And so... We gave up on that, unfortunately, pretty quickly. But I think that's a reality in thinking about what the context is sure. and about future generations. How much was going to be retained in terms of the culture and influences from, you know, from our parents or from our grandparents, right? Right. And I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I wish there was like a better balance in terms of like, there are, there are wonderful things about Chinese culture and, and there's so much history there. And like, I, I wish I knew about it more or was passionate about it more to be able to pass some of that to my kids. Like some of the less weird stuff, <laughs> not like, Oh, you know, this is sending a message to the moon and there's a princess there or something. I don't know. Isn't there something about like, uh, the, like one of the, the moon cakes? Moon, moon festival. Yeah. The, the moon, moon festival, cakes. something. And sure. I don't know. <laughs> it's people, all people might think, you know, Canadian culture is weird. They're like, you know, why don't you have this kind of background or these kind of influences? Well, Canadian culture is so young, right? Like relatively, speaking, relatively speaking, right? yeah. Do you find because now that you mentioned that, do you find that most people like that you interact with, like let's just say Chinese Canadians, kind of act the same way that 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 Chinese side's a bit more passive, and like I'm just saying in general, right? I can't can't speak for everyone, but the people you interact with, yeah, I think that's definitely true. It's very rare, and maybe only on like Chinese New Year's, you see people wearing like all their Chinese stuff and going all out Chinese. But I think that's you know, that's maybe the one time a year where even, let's say, moderate Asians will kind of exhibit that. But in general, yeah, I think it is a bit more kind of on the backseat a little bit. All right. So jumping into what we get to talk about today, you know, we're talking about developing community and the journey of discipleship that happens in a very unique and extremely fun world of board games and video games. And how do we kind of understand the mission of God in that context as well. You know, perhaps at one time, video games, board games, they were considered as just forms of entertainment for children. But in our day, in our culture, it is a massive industry. It is something that a lot of people gravitate towards. A lot of people are getting more into it. People have called it almost the renaissance of board games. E-stuff is becoming e sports, stuff, yes. actual sports, making money. For sure. And, you know, you, if you're really good, you can make more money 
at video games and as a pastor, just in case anyone is listening. <laughs> Maybe we need to... Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Maybe we need to switch our profession, Shu. Yeah. And so it, it is definitely becoming more of a part of culture. I think we're at, at a unique age, like the three of us roughly around the same age. But we grew up at a time before computers existed, before well, I mean, video games in the very basic form existed. Sure. Kind of like consoles like Ataris and Commodores and that kind of stuff existed. But I mean, I would kind of probably mark, let's say, the Super Nintendo or even the Nintendo originally, when video games kind of first took off. We, we lived through the age where there was kind of the before video games, and then video games got huge. Yeah. Computer games, huge. And then now, yeah, absolutely, in the past, say, 10 years or so, we're definitely seeing uh, a huge rise in popularity for, for board gaming. And I think there's, yeah. there's great reasons for that, too. Board games, video games. And I think it's a lot of people take things for granted, too, because people play games on their phones. Mm. And that's just become just, oh, yeah, this is just kind of my pastime. This is kind of what I do just on the side as a break and stuff. That would never have happened way back, right? You'd, ha- you'd have to have a console or a computer to play a game. You know, we're living in an age, you know, that has already had decades of this, where, you know, we're able to interact in kind of that capacity and, you know, have this form of both entertainment and interaction in a, in a way where, you know, you know, didn't exist way back. And because we grew up with it. So we're taking some of it, which used to be more like, oh, that's a, that's a kid's thing or a child's thing. But now it's like to a point where games are mature, are, oh, yeah. are marketed for mature people. M and, rating. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and it, and now and and there's still a communal aspect to so much of gaming that that draws people together still. So I think I think that's a huge part. Like I think even when video games kind of first kind of took off, especially like computer gaming, it was a very isolated thing. You played by yourself. Sure, setting up you know a land game or whatever would it just requires or setting up <laughs> early internet where you needed to know the IP address of someone and you'd open gateways but now and and I think that's one of the big draws of of board gaming as well it's it's that communal aspect of playing together sure sure and i think that's going to feed into some of our conversation that we have today but very quickly just off the top of your head do you guys remember what you know one of the first board games you guys played were or one of the first video games like i know for me I remember being blown away, going to my uncle's house and playing an Atari. You know, it's a space game where you can only kind of go left and right and up and down and you just shoot things and you just try to survive. But I was like, wow, this is crazy. I'm playing something, like I'm controlling something on this screen. And that was amazing. It wasn't until years later that, you know, my family got the original Nintendo and then the big formative one for me was Super Nintendo. What, what do you guys remember about like th- those early memories? I, w- I was playing like Chinese Chinese, Chinese checkers, checkers oh, and, yeah. and Go and but oh. modern board gaming are we going to say the same uh, well, one? Well, for modern board gaming is Monopoly. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, or, oh, or really Game of Life or oh, yeah, some, yeah. something to that degree. Or like, what was it, that that uh, Hungry Hungry Hippos? Or oh, yeah. Whatever. Like, there's communal gaming. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and gluttony. <laughs> but it, it is, it's video games. It was like Nintendo. Like, that was actually, and I never owned a console from Nintendo till Xbox One. Xbox 360, because of you guys. That's not but, a Nintendo console. Yeah, well, not Nintendo, <laughs> but like a video game console. Mm. Video game console. Uh, it's funny, because when I turned 30, my wife was very gracious to accommodate my idea to have like a video game-themed party. Very nice. Uh, and so we did. And so there was one, one wall that we set up where we had printouts of a video game released each year that I remember playing. A video game. Yeah, I think they were all video games. Uh, but they were really, really old, some of them. Um, I, again, I didn't have a console until a lot later as well, PS2 era. But I remember playing on, on uh, my dad's 386. 
Ah, uh, yes. With the five and a half inch floppies, and there was like a tank game. There was like a volleyball game. Not even forty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I and you know with back when you had to run the DOS prompt and stuff, but that that was kind of my. Uh, initial gaming memories uh i remember kind of growing up a bit more and every summer i used to go back to hong kong to visit relatives and we used to stay with one of my cousins and we would sneak up like at night before everyone woke up and we'd have to be very quiet like literally because hong kong's so small we were sharing like a small apartment and like we were all sharing rooms and stuff and so we had to make sure not to wake up my mom and not to wake up the we had to play on tv but we were playing like the super famicom there was was a gundam fighting game that was really good that really sticks (laughs) out in my memory board gaming obviously yeah i mean some of the old classics uh playing monopolies at you know holiday dinners that dragged on forever but in terms of true modern board gaming which i thought what she was going to say was the one that earliest i think i can remember really sticking out is when we played battlestar galactica original <laughs> that's really modern wait, wait, wait. yeah, yeah <laughs> it's very very that's, modern, that's, very modern. Yeah, yeah, that's very. only within the no, last no. like decade i guess but right? I, I i totally i think maybe within the last six or seven years but i kind of categorize that kind of board gaming like after this this whole renaissance of board gaming. Sure. And that's a very distinctive period for me. Rather than playing... That, that is still, honestly, the best board game I've ever played. Ever. <laughs> ever. I, okay. I dispute that I, a little bit. I, anyway. In terms of replayability in group gaming, I haven't seen a better one that like, gets, you, gets you really in there. Who's a Cylon? Who's a Cylon? Everybody is out to get me. Yes. And I I love this kind of conversation. I love this kind of imagination because it's thinking out of the box. That's no pun intended. But, you know, it really provides a fresh and new avenues for engagement. As you said, you know, like games don't only have the one outcome of just entertaining or interacting with something or, you know, being part of a story, but a communal aspect too, right? And I think that's, that's amazing just to even see that, in, in playing games together, it brings people together, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I did want to ask you, like, you know, as someone who has played a, a number of different games, has invited people to play games, has hosted games and such like that, you know, what have those been experiences like been for you to invite people to play and to get people together? This is maybe uh, not directly related, but I think it, it kind of does kind of hit the same point. I believe that there is a board game or a video game out there for everyone. I think mm. everyone has something that they enjoy. You know, it may be something cooperative. It may be something really small. It might be something quick. It might be something long, whatever it is. But I feel that in order to teach and, and introduce a game that a person will like, you do kind of need to know that person. I mean, Shu, as an example, has talked about his love for, for Battlestar Galactica. And that board game is very, very much interacting with the people at the table and, you know, deceit and figuring out who's lying and trying to, you know read people and and kind of read their actions and that kind of thing. So I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't introduce him to like, you know, a co-op story based kind of game. I I, like with a lot of reading. Um, What's wrong with working together? No, I, I, co-op, man, (laughs) co-op, co-op. I'm down with that. Just someone read for me. (laughs) It's all good. I kind of think that there's that aspect to it where, you know, a person and through that you can kind of, pick a right game for them. But mm-hmm. also, I guess the reverse is also true, that as you play games with people, you kind of learn and figure out who they are as well. Hmm. Yeah, sounds like an example of how to communicate the gospel. But okay, I, I'm not going <laughs> to no, no. jump go there. there too fast. Go, go there, go there, there you know. No, just like even, even hearing that as an example, that to, to communicate the gospel, you can like go, no, oh, right. okay, here's just the, the, the nice back of the box, let me just mm. show you what the game is about. Mm. But to actually know where that person's coming from, connect 
where they're coming from and engage and actually communicate something that will engage where they are, you have to know where they're coming from. Yeah. So you can explain to them where they, and even understand, get them to go, oh, yeah, that is actually interesting and relevant and connecting to me. And, you know, so I, I don't know. I find that that's, that's kind of interesting. Gospel answer. engagement. That's pretty fantastic. So I was just talking about game. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point. No, but I think this is something that, you know, you haven't just done this personally. You have also sought out to see if there's opportunities to do this within the context of the church, right? You have organized several nights at your church, and it's brought together so many people. And, you know, I've had a chance to just kind of drop in and visit a couple of those. But, hey, you know, people are coming. People want to be together. And it is already something that they want to be a part of. And so, yeah, how can those kind of be spaces for God to work? Yeah, bored at church. You know? Yeah, that was the, the, the name of, of the, the board game nights that I, I, I wanted to propose. We're all about I, I think here. I think we did. We're all about it. <laughs> I think we did post that in the bulletin one time, the, the, yeah. the second time. Well, it, was, it's, it was a it's Facebook not, ad. Like, it's not, someone, it's Facebook. not dead. It's yeah. just on hiatus of some sort, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, you know, aside from like, you know, whether whatever the future of it is, like during those nights, people got together yeah. around tables, got to know each other. Yeah. So, you know, what are some of those spaces like? I think a night like that, it's a very low barrier to entry yeah. to invite friends, but also like, even if you're just kind of considering going by yourself, it's, oh, I may not know somebody there. But, oh, I have this game that I really like that I want to share with somebody. Mm. And Shu is already thinking gospel connections there as well, <laughs> maybe. Um, but, and and, and they, they come and they, they want to share something and they're open to kind of playing games. The couple of nights that we've hosted have been uh, very good. And yeah, John was, was very gracious to, to come visit. Uh, no, I, just, I was just a guest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just loving it. But yeah, it, it was really good. It was just, oh, let's sit together, try to, you know, play games with people you don't normally play with and mm-hmm. let's try to learn a game together. And, and which goes back to, I enjoy teaching games very much. Sure. My wife wants me to start a YouTube channel teaching play games, but there's so many of them. Where anyway, can we subscribe? But, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do like it because I, I think I could, I grasp concepts pretty quickly for, for gaming and I'm able to explain them uh, well. And so that was a really enjoyable part of the night for me. Just I'm meeting new people, I'm teaching them games and, and they're having fun. Like I, that's my ultimate goal when I teach a game to someone or when I kind of host these nights. I just want people to have fun. Yeah. But there's a lot of parallels with that, with not only, you know, sharing the gospel, but also of discipleship. You know, getting to know someone, walking alongside someone. Even the patience to teach a game, which you exhibit quite a lot. You're a very generous teacher, I would say, in teaching games. And, you know, there's a lot of parallels in that sense of like, you know, you know you're getting to know them. You're getting to know what game fits for them. You're getting to involve them into that process. You yourself are kind of growing and thinking about how do I explain this game and how do I, you know, how do we enjoy this game together? And it's and it's not for the sake of, you know, just trying to get them to a gospel presentation or trying to get them to, hey, now that you guys are all here at this board game night, let me tell you all about... Here's the bait and ex- switch. Yeah, the bait and switch, right? But it's not because the way you, in which you did it was a very, like, just open time for people to connect, play right. games. You've done that at church. You do this in your own personal life as well. And, and so, yeah, there's already a lot of parallels between how, you know, board games or video games can at least inform us or open up spaces for us to to grow together, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think video games are kind of one aspect, and there are definitely friends and even people who used to come to our church that I still maintain contact with basically only because we play games. 
like yesterday I jumped on 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 Dota and we played auto chess or whatever with people I haven't spoken to in, in Dota defense in of the ancients. ancients. <laughs> um, we were playing a special mode anyway. But I, I think while you were talking there, I was just thinking about when I teach board games. You know, in terms of talking about parallels with discipleship and and sharing the gospel, whatever it happens to be, the kind of the positive that the parallel that I draw with it is that the very first thing that I've learned when you teach a game is you tell them the objective, like what the goal is, Mm. right? You don't start with the nitty gritty of, you know, this is what your turns are, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. But then the question is, okay, but what? why am I doing this, right? And so it's always about, okay, you know, the goal of the game is to build the biggest castle. The goal of the game is to reach blank. Here's how you do that, right? And so I think that, in terms of explaining, there's probably some parallels there. Uh, and and on the flip side, I was just thinking about uh, a board game that I actually quite like a lot, but basically has failed every single time I introduce it to people. It's called Galaxy Trucker. Have you heard of this game? Yes, I have heard Galaxy Trucker. Do you like Trucker. this game? I have only seen it being played. I okay. haven't played it myself. So the problem is, uh, with that game, and if I teach you this game, it'll be the same problem. It's not a matter of who teaches it. It is a game that every person is required to fully read and understand the rules before kind of they approach the table. Because there are so, so many aspects of, of, of the rules, but that combined with the fact that all of your decision-making is super front-loaded. So you make all of your decisions in real time competing with other people in the first five minutes of the game. And then the rest of the 45 minutes is just how your first five minutes kind of plays out. But you need to know all the information in order to make proper informed decisions but the first five minutes. And so that's failed every single time. So I think... I don't know if Jesus taught it. No, no, but that's what, I, <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean in, in terms of... <laughs> and go at it now. Now you know it all. Go. But that's what I mean. I think that that's the negative correlation in terms of the parallel. That's a bad example in terms of if you shared the gospel and be like, okay, here's five minutes and or, or at, here's a rally or whatever, and here's everything you need to know about gospel and go. And it, it, it really doesn't work. And sometimes... We present it that sure, way. Sure, absolutely. Sometimes yeah, we do that. No, but I think that's you know that's very insightful because it's really talking about different approaches, right? And what people gravitate towards, right? Right. And some people like that, and that's why they would like a game like that, right? Like some I, people, in my experience, nobody's yeah, like that game it, being taught. But maybe then, a like, certain generation of people would like, <laughs> like, like for for example, like just as a parallel, mm. hopefully not going too far, but. Some of the people who are not Christians that I know, they want to almost like, I want to know this all before I play the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So they're not willing to almost, I need to know my strategy and blah, blah, before I I, I get it. It's funny because I'm probably like that. No, okay. Right? Like if if we're playing a game, even if, you know, one of our friends is, oh, we're going to play this game, I will like to read the rules back to front. I like knowing the rules. Yeah. Mm. Um, You're right. So it it maybe is for, for, for different folks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, Galaxy Trucker is a popular game. It is. Yeah. It just might not be. It's all right. (laughs) If anyone wants my copy of Galaxy Trucker. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Let's switch gears a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit about video games as well. Mm. And I think this is one of the very interesting things that came out of conversation with Shu was about video games being a place to grow as disciples together. And I think after talking with Shu months ago, this was maybe like, you know, sometime last year. You know, I, I, it's kind of sad in the back of my brain because with something like board game, you have to be physically there. But then with something like a video game, you can play in the comforts of your own home. You can play... Now, you really more, want, now more than ever. Now more than ever. Back ever. then you couldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you you can play without your pants if you really want to. But anyway. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I, I had thought about since the conversation I had with Shu was, was about how can video games be a place to really get to know another person and to walk with another person, which may find an environment like gathering around a table to play a board game might feel not as comfortable, but because they can do it kind of on their own terms and in their own way, and because technology has enabled us to not just play the game together, we can talk together, we can get to know one another, we can chat in between, you know, matches or whatever like that. But, you know, what could that look like if paired with a a relationship that has already formed and you're getting to know them even more through video games? I think video games, yeah, I think, you know, having introduced voice chat and being able to speak to someone, I remember the days of, say, playing StarCraft II, you know, it was was all typing and and, uh, that's not quite the same and so slowly i think these barriers are being removed right mm-hmm. like i think you know being able to type was good being able to chat now is good but i mean it, it's interesting you know viewing it from the lens of community and 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 just we play games together and, and that there's a community because we play video games together i mean i think that's really given rise to something like discord yeah. it's a game it's specifically for video games though Right. But so and, and so one might ask in the beginning, like, why does a service like that need to exist? Games have voice chat in them. Sure. Built um, in, usually. Built in, usually. Yeah. yeah. But I, so, I mean, as I understand it, again, I think I'm probably a bit older than their target demo anyway. Discord is there really to foster these communities where you can chat with other people even when you're not playing the same game. Right. Right. In, even in between matches, like a lot of the times when you're in a match, you can chat in game, but then, oh, it's loading and you can't talk anymore. Right. <laughs> but this is something separate. So it always runs. It runs regardless of what you're, what you, you know, what game you're playing. Or even if you're online, people can post a message and say, oh, let's, let's play at this time. Or, sure. you know, I'll be jumping on at this time if anyone wants to. And so I think uh, an app like that, again, removes some of these barriers. Sure. But I think it's still hard. It's still really, really hard to have just a fully digital kind of relationship building experience. I think that's always going to be difficult. You know, like personally, like when we play Dota or whatever, like I, it's really, really nice to have those relationships established. And then, you know, the odd time when we can get together and we, we, we land together and all bring our laptops and that's always different. And I think that's always slightly better. And I don't want to seem like I'm bashing online gaming. I online game all the time. Sure. Um, But I, I do recognize that in person there is, there's something about that. The physical that, presence. The physical presence, hmm. body language, you know, just kind of sitting in those silences. And I think that's, that's important. Sure. I, I'm at the same wavelength. I don't know if we'll advance technologically so far where our avatars or 3D no. images. I, I don't, I don't I know. I have a vibe. So, <laughs> VR. Which you're definitely not using to, to talk about. Let me shake your hand online or what. I don't know. Like, that's definitely not happening yet. Who knows in the future? But right now, yeah, there's something about presence, physical presence that, that changes the dynamics. And that doesn't mean that online cannot help mm-hmm. because you, you are sure. drawn together and you have a commonality of the same. You're, you're valuing the same stuff. But to really, you know, get to know the other person better, to actually, you know, spend that time. And I think even to build uh, more, more trust into even developing relationships that go beyond, okay, we could talk about our hobby or, or the things that we're really passionate about, but is there more? Sure. So, yeah. and, which isn't a problem to just, you know, be affiliated with a hobby or to be, you know, with, with a game or, or whatever. But I think if we're talking about kind of relationship building and kind of almost thinking about as well, like, even we're talking about discipleship. Sure. Like it's almost like that can be part of the stuff. But I think the difficult part is if it stays there, mm. it's hard to develop. Right. 
Right. I, I, I find, you know, when I was thinking about this conversation, when John had asked me, I, I find that even growing up, I, I knew from the, in the church and stuff that, you know, a really good way to develop relationships with people uh, is to serve with them, right? Mm. You're, you're working towards a common goal and that kind of thing. And that's kind of how I view, personally, how I view most board games. Sure. I view it kind of like as a puzzle, right? Like, what is the strategy here? What is, and we're working on that together. Even if it's a competitive game, we're kind of communally working out what is the best strategy. Sure. We're trying to kind of figure this puzzle together. And, and, and I kind of find that maybe parallel as well in terms of we're working towards a goal together for me. Sure. Uh, and that's how the way I see it. Yeah. Do you think that kind of perspective translates into other areas in life and especially the church? Like if there is an issue that comes out of at a church, right? Are yeah. we... Solve it via a game of Monopoly. <laughs> that Whoever game, wins. Whoever, yeah, yeah. I don't know <laughs> where that's going. <laughs> Mr. K- Mr. Hat, <laughs> you win. The thimble. Yeah, the thimble is where it's at. No, but like, you know, to translate that into, you know, maybe a conflict that is happening and say like, hey, you know, we can work at this together. We can be able to, you know, what is our ultimate goal? I like how you kind of phrased it. What is our ultimate goal in, in our, in, being able to serve together or work together or to resolve something together, mm. you know, is it for the sake of just peace and tolerance or is it for the sake of like, you know, reconciliation or is it for the sake of, you know, we can be a healthier community together. And, and some of these things can translate, but I think, you know, it may not be like as easily translatable at times, but you know, the it's, it's in there. It's in there. Right. It's really interesting that, you know, as we're talking about this conversation as well, I remember a conversation I had with my uncle way back, and he said, you know what, for me to go up and talk to one of my friends about the gospel was always very awkward. And it was always awkward to talk even about life and, and talk about what they might be going through in life. But he said, if I invite them over for pizza, and mm. we play a couple hours of mm. video games, all of a sudden, there's a sense of like, hey, you know, like, it, it can be this potential space for people to start opening up and just be more relaxed and trust each other, right? Yeah. No, and, and I think, you know, that's kind of one of the things we were going for when we, you know, decided to try out board at church. Yeah. Right? That it's not, oh, come and you'll form relationships or come and you'll find friends. And, and it's, it's not really about that. It's come play board games. And, and it's, again, that lower barrier to entry, I think really, really helps. That you're, you come, you, you have an expectation, you kind of know what you're getting into kind of beforehand, you right. have an idea. Yeah, like, my, my thought process was, and, you know, just to use the some of the lingo that we, we've used, you know, in this discipleship kind of direction is like, what what would it look like if that was like a third place? Yeah. Right? Like a third space where you're kind of like, and, and if people don't know that language, it, it's third place, I think, was developed out of like when some people were studying a Starbucks and seeing, usually it's your, your work actually, I guess not even home any. Your work is the first place you spend the most time with people. Your home's the second one. Third place would be uh, like a Starbucks or some somewhere that people can connect. And having a board game is just a place to, you know, as as we're growing older in life, we don't have that many spaces uh, that we have. So we're like, oh, what's the space we create? And especially as a church, is there a space that we can create where we can connect some people and develop relationships and and see what happens? It's like not not a bait and switch, not a like oh, oh but of course we're intentional about like. Oh, we want to get to know this person. We want them to know who God is. But it's like, what are these spaces nowadays that we can do? We can connect with people and just be friends and build relationships and, and sure. build those connections. And board games is now becoming a viable thing. Yeah. As you're talking, you know, 
One of the limitations, I think, for when we ran board at church, one of the things that I, I wish we could change is kind of this concept of the third place, of the third space. Shu has dr- drilled it into my head enough that the third space really shouldn't be church. Third space should be somewhere where you're going into the community hmm. and you're just kind of hanging out there. And so, I mean, a, a, a dream goal of mine would be to have a group that would go to, say, a 401 Games yes. or a... Or a Harry Tarantula. Oh, they've moved now. Anyway, it's but no longer, where you yeah, kind of go to the and they have you know board game nights or they're running specific board games and it's a group of people you know and and we all just would go together regularly and sure. get to know those people and again you're almost engaging them on neutral territory right? yeah so that their fear of that bait and switch you know again which is not what our intention is but that their fear isn't there because they kind of because stepping through a church door may still be a barrier to some sure. people. And I think this kind of goes back to the whole idea, for those who are familiar with David Fitch's work and his, his, his three circles, the third circle is really that circle where we ourselves are also a guest, mm. right? We're not going there to host right. in particular, but we get to be a guest alongside with other people or let other people host us right. in, in ways in which we can be missionally engaged in. And so, you know, at a board game store or a video game store, hey, these stores are packed. Yeah, They're packed all the time. Yeah, People playing games, checking out games and such like that. You know, can that be a third space for us or the third circle for us to be a guest in while being, you know, in- intentional at building relationships? Yeah, like I-, I think I think more than ever, it's we're in a place where we're like, we're not trying to let, let's jump at people so that we get them the gospel of turn or burn or something like that. But we're trying to get to a, a place where it's just like, no, we actually care about you. We love you. We love our neighbor, love even the stranger. Mm. And we're developing a relationship so that even they want to, hey, I want to know what goes on in your life. Why do you follow this God? Why, do you, why are you part of this church? Like, well, what, what's going on there? And that's when you're like, no, I, here's the message that we, we have. I could tell you. Sure. But usually people are afraid of, oh, I, I was taught to, to, you know, just go out and then just, I have to go. But right. You know, I, I, I'm creating those spaces because one, I just want to love people around me, show them the love of Christ. But at sure. the same time, tell them about who Christ is when the opportunity arises. And I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit will give you those opportunities if you are in those people's lives. Yeah. And it's ha- becoming harder and harder now, especially with a culture that has been impacted with fear or there is this aspect of suspicion. Like, why is this person wanting to get to know me? Like, you know, these things are becoming harder and harder these days, right? Especially of the church. Especially, like, yeah, and, or maybe just within the, like, if we define it in an organizational, institutional kind of way, right? Right, right? right yeah. But, yeah, it's becoming more and more difficult, and so maybe some of these places need to be engaged in different ways, and creatively, so, in which we can go out and participate with what God is doing in this world. So, I think, to kind of wrap up our conversation for today, I did want to ask, how do you enter those spaces with intentionality? How do you maintain that intentionality and not let the gaming take over? Okay, I, I know Elvin will probably be able to say some response or, or some kind of expand upon what I'm saying. I, I've always wrestled with, like, you know, and I, I love board gaming, and I, lo- I love just hanging out with people that way. That, that's part of, I think, how I spend my downtime and what I enjoy. And I think what the hard part was, you know, we could do a program like Board at Church. We could do a movie night, game night, whatever, these kind of things that we can create spaces in. And what I'm interested in is when people actually start seeing all their lives on mission uh, with, with Christ, what would it look like if it's like, I even, like when people come over to my house, Christian or not, I'm, I'm invested into them. And I'm, I'm now creating those spaces for that. I'm inviting other people into my life that I never would have before. And I find that 
you know, even, even in our church context at times, people are like, that, that may not, that's not their intentionality. That's not the intention that we immediately think of. It's like, first, it's just like, I, I'm so tired throughout the week. I just need an <laughs> escape or something. Right. Mm. And I get that. I get mm. that impulse. But which, my, which games can be. Sure. Yeah. So my, but my hope is that as we kind of create those spaces and fine, there are formal spaces you'll need because sometimes you need to go through a program or understanding of things till you can be intentional. Mm-hmm. So you can grow, be formative to, to that. But then I also want to see it in my everyday life. I'm, I'm all for Christ, mm. you know? And so that regardless of board game or inviting someone to coffee, I'm, I'm just going to show them love of Christ and I, and I want to point them to Jesus yeah. at some point, you know, when, when the time is right. That's so awesome. I, yeah. I just find the intentionality at that, at that point. Cause we, <laughs> I remember at one point we were trying, I was trying to go, Hey, what, what would happen if, if we invited people we don't know, like the stranger or whoever, sure. like in, and, and then some people are like, no, I'm not, not down with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think board games are a good tool. And I think, you mm. know, when, when, when you're talking about this whole conversation revolving around using board games and video games, you know, as, as one particular means of discipleship and building community. Yeah, I think it, it's important to keep in mind the other aspects and the more traditional aspects or whatever. And I think that all encompassing, you know, that love for others mm. right, and kind of what she yeah. was talking about, how, how this is really just one facet of it. And, and it, for me, I enjoy it so much that it's, it's, it's a natural Sure. Kind of tool for me to use, but it, it may not be for others. And other people may enjoy coming to games. Other people may not like games in general. Although, again, I do think game out there for everyone. <laughs> Limbo! Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, well, dexterity games is a whole uh, genre. Twister. Is a whole Twister genre. is a game. The evangelists of <laughs> gaming. Yes, right there, yeah. right there. I love how God uses our passions. You know, I don't think it's an accident when God gives us passions because they can really open up space for him to work in and through us in the context of of discipleship and community and stuff. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you, Elvin, so much for coming on our podcast. Mm. No problem. Thank you for having me. I, again, I hope, I think it was a really good conversation. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. That helps us get this conversation out there and to engage with more people. And please contact us and let us know how we are doing in this podcast. And if you have any feedback, you can reach us on Facebook or Twitter or email. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. We love hearing the feedback and the questions that you guys bring to us. So once again, you guys have been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. And we hope you'll join us on this journey. Live long and prosper. Yes. And may the force now start with. Uh, Live long and prosper. Live long. (laughs) 